You're listening to Ageism is Never in Style, the podcast, sponsored by The Bias Cut, the first truly age-inclusive online style boutique. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Ageism is Never in Style, the podcast, with me, your host, Jacinth Bassett, founder of Ageism is Never in Style. In our last episode, we explored ageism in the fashion industry, and in today's episode, we're turning our attention to the workplace. With our population ageing and governmental policies being implemented to encourage those over 50 and middle-aged retirees to return to work or retrain in new industries, the workplace is one of the biggest areas currently under scrutiny when it comes to ageism. In the UK, age is a protected characteristic under the Equality Act 2010, making it unlawful to discriminate on the basis of age. And in the US, over 40s are a protected class. And yet, from the hiring and recruitment process, to promotion, reward and recognition, to redundancy and vocational training, ageism continues to be prevalent throughout the workplace. In fact, 62% of workers over the age of 50 believe older workers continue to face age discrimination, and over 93% assert that ageism in the workplace is a regular occurrence. What's more, whilst more and more companies are implementing diversity, equity and inclusion policies and cultures, and introducing dedicated roles to support this, when you look at said policies, very few include and cover age. It's often left off the agenda. So there is still so much to address. And of course, when we talk about ageism, we must remember to not only solely focus on those in midlife and beyond. Because as we've been discussing throughout this entire podcast series, ageism doesn't just affect those who are older. Yes, we do live in a youth-centric, youth-focused society, but age bias can be experienced by any person of any age. And this is particularly evident in the workplace, where younger workers can be perceived to be too young, inexperienced or juvenile, or assumptions are made on the basis of preconceived notions and negative stereotypes that surround millennials or Gen Z that may seem to clash with more traditional seniority structures and values. So as we tackle ageism in the workplace, we must ensure that we assess, understand and tackle how it can and does affect all ages. And whilst anyone can experience ageism, it's also important to recognise that men and women can experience it differently. Gendered ageism, which is the intersectionality between ageism and sexism, has been a consistent theme throughout this podcast series. And the workplace is a prime example of how this materialises. When a woman is in her 20s, she can be seen as too young in the workplace, with her experiences and credibility dismissed something that is less commonly experienced by her male peers. And in her 30s, assumptions may be made about the likelihood of her going on maternity leave. In her 40s, she's premenopausal, 50s menopausal. And by her 60s, she's irrelevant and out of touch. So women are rarely, if ever, the right age in the workplace, to the extent that 80% of women between the age of 18 and 70 have said they have experienced gendered ageism in the workplace. So it's equally essential that we explore and tackle issues of intersectionality when it comes to the workplace and ageism too. 
Ultimately, what we need to be working towards is a diverse, inclusive and multi-generational workforce where different ages are offered equal opportunities and are woven and work seamlessly together in solidarity. Because diversity and inclusivity is a key driver of innovation, with more inclusive business cultures and policies translating into a 60% boost in innovation, which in turn drives better financial performance. And what's more, the Organisation for Economic Cooperation Development has reported that investing in multi-generational workforces will raise GDP per capita by almost 19% in three decades, because it generates a stronger pipeline of talent, improves workforce continuity and stability, and assists the retention of knowledge. And isn't that what we all want? So how we can tackle ageism with a view to championing age inclusivity and a multi-generational workforce is exactly what we will be exploring in today's podcast, which brings me on to introducing today's guest, Barbara Brooks. Barbara Brooks is a pro-age speaker, facilitator and thought starter, and the founder and CEO of Second Act Woman, a US-based organisation, club and community that focuses on addressing gendered ageism and in particular supports women over 40 in the workplace. Founded in 2018, the organisation offers conferences, boot camps, workshops and retreats that focus on championing women in their 40s, 50s, 60s and beyond, as well as intergenerational workplaces as a whole. And through her work, Barbara has been named as one of the top 25 most powerful businesswomen in Colorado. And in 2021, she was a semi-finalist in Forbes inaugural Women 50 Over 50 list. So it really is a pleasure for Barbara to be joining us today. So let's just start with the obvious question. Tell us about Second Act Women. Tell us about how you got into this space. Uh, So uh, quite simply, I couldn't get hired. I was 51. I had been a business owner for several years by then, but I'm a corporate reject, sadly. I'd lost my corporate job in 2011, and then I became an accidental business owner. And so fast forward to 2018, from 2011, I decided it was time to go back to work. I wanted consistency. I wanted every two week pay period. I wanted security, job security, in a sense. And I was a little bit burned out on being an entrepreneur at the time. And it happened again. By then I'm 51. And I could not get hired. I was getting ghosted. I was getting not a culture fit. And I would land an interview and then sure enough, not get the job. Whereas in the past, I would come very close, if not land the job because of my experience as an award-winning marketing director from, uh, get this, the shopping center world. There's a such thing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And so, so I decided, you know, just that, that I would take this idea off the shelf that I've had this idea of creating a women's business week or some sort of business event for all women, entrepreneurs and career women, that we could come together, fellowship, learn, so on and so forth and have fun. Mm. And so I pulled that idea off the shelf. I said, you know what? I can't get hired. So I'm going to work to help other women who are in the same spot that I am. So I sort of had my own Oprah aha moment and said, you know, Ageism is alive and well. Something's going on. I need to do something. Although it's interesting because at the time I didn't recognize it was ageism. I thought it was something else that I couldn't put my finger on. 
And it wasn't until several months later after listening to women in my marketing research and brainstorm sessions to come up with what this company was going to be. So then I came up with Second Act Women and the whole focus and my mission behind this was to really advance the middle-aged woman because ageism, again, is live and well. It's to provide support, a place where they can come together and provide advice and peer-to-peer development and all of that because funding and support community, all of that is lacking for this age group. Right. At least it is here in the US. Yes, well, same here. As I mentioned in the intro, there's been, particularly in the last year or so, there's been quite a lot in government policy that they're bringing in here in the UK to try and regalvanize and encourage people over 50 back into the workplace. But as you say, and as we said in the intro, it's not as simple as just saying everyone over 50 is the same, right? There's other issues of intersectionality. And we certainly can see that here where women in particular are not being supported. Yes, correct. Not being supported at all. And it's funny because age has never been a factor to me. I I actually come from a mother who would always say her age when people would say, oh, you look good for your age. Remember how that was not considered (laughs) a bad thing to say. She'd say, oh, well, you know, I'm 38 or I'm 47 or I'm 57. It's no big deal. So age has not been a problem for me in admitting who I am. And I Mm. sit at 57 today. But after I started this company and after six years now of studying and listening and being on panels and speaking, there's a major problem. And I think COVID was actually the great push out mm-hmm. for women and men yep. over a certain age, finger quotes, yep. uh, instead. So there's that. And also, we've seen, particularly here in the UK, a massive drive towards menopause being taken seriously and mandates being implemented in the workplace around menopause, which obviously, yes, not everyone goes through menopause at the same age, but it's typically experienced by women in their 50s. So that's also played a big role, I think, as well in driving this conversation along as more workplaces are having to particularly look at these issues and really look at their internal culture and how they are not supporting both getting people in the workplace and the recruitment process, but then also creating an environment and fostering an environment that supports people of all ages. Well, and when we're talking menopause too, frankly, I can't imagine going through some of the symptoms that I got while being in corporate America. I mean, the hot flashes were ridiculous. Right. Yeah. Women have felt that they have to hide that, don't they? It's, it's something as if they feel ashamed oh, yeah, for it. Yeah, they have to hide it. And in the workplace of all places. If you're literally sweating off of your face. Yeah. So if you're literally having, you know, obviously, you know, sweat dripping down. Uh, and you're having a pet and or, I, I mean, it just, it's just a flush of pot yeah. and it'll go away, it'll come back. And how are you to hide yeah. that? And there's the brain fog, which I personally thought I was going through. I was headed into dementia right. or some, something was wrong with my brain. Mm-hmm. I felt, and I didn't know what it was. And I actually, I'm just thinking this, thank this company, my company, Second Act Women for some of the guests and some of the doctors that we brought on board to actually teach Mm. myself Mm. yeah, and our community because I didn't know that brain fog was a part of menopause. I didn't know there were over 30 symptoms. I believe it's 48 
believe that's the number. Oh, over here they're saying it's 32. Oh, okay. I think they're now saying 34. it's 48 here. Oh, Lord. I believe it's 48. Just more. There's a lot, I know. <laughs> but again, that conversation, yes, we talk about menopause in a bigger space, but also particularly in the workplace, and I think that has been a fundamental yeah. part of it. And you yourself identify as a triple minority. When you're saying that you struggled to come to terms with the fact that you actually maybe experienced ageism, do you feel there were other issues at play as well? Uh you know, looking back, because I was not one as a black woman, the way I was raised was not to necessarily look at color as a barrier. Mm -hmm. I was born in France, raised in Colorado. Parents are from Houston. I have a very strong mom. And as military people as well, I mean, everybody's every color in the military. So I wasn't necessarily, I didn't think about that until George Floyd. Until all of the issues that popped up, sadly, um, or or not even issues that popped up, issues that were now suddenly brought, They're exposed, 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 and brought to the forefront more than ever before, yeah. right? And that, yeah, DEI now has come to the forefront in corporations, but I didn't think about race until that happened, and then I started having these moments. Wow, is that why I didn't get hired? Because okay. I was the person who's putting her photo on. I'm gonna, I'm gonna admit indirectly, the times <laughs> when I think about it, I did put my, I put my picture on my resume because of wanting to get my foot in the door as a black woman in areas where I wasn't known or I didn't have connections. Right. Now, ninety percent of my jobs, including the clients that I've had after having a company for so many years have all come through my bank of connections. Mm -hmm. But when I was applying for jobs where I had no connection, I was throwing it all out there. Look at me out, outside of when I graduated from college, mm -hmm. outside of going back 20 years. Instead, I'd go back 10 to 12 max yeah. because I'm trying to hide my age, sadly. I'm trying to hide all of this damn wealth of knowledge that I shouldn't be scared of sharing that I did feel scared of sharing. So that's so interesting that you felt comfortable to be able to present yourself as a black woman, but not able to present yourself as a woman in your 50s. When I was applying in 2011 to positions, age was not a factor. Right. I didn't think about age. I thought about I'm a black woman with an award-winning career and I'm effing good at what I do. Yeah. And I'm sure I'm going to get this job. Mm -hmm. But also get me through the door because I am a black woman. Right. I'm actually a quadruple minority, by the way, because I'm a woman, I'm black, I'm over 50, and I'm almost six foot. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I wear heels. Yeah. <laughs> so I like to play that up. But yeah, you're right. I guess this last round, because I experienced burnout at the very beginning of just this year, mm -hmm. and I started applying for jobs, and I was ready to give up this company and move it to the side. I'm so glad I didn't. I'm so glad. I'm not a coach, but they say coaches need coaches. And I had some yes. women encouraged me after seeing what I had created here in Colorado when they are from New York. It's the modern Gen X women, Jackie and Mimi. I was re-engaged with my, with my company. But during those four months of applying for jobs, mm -hmm. to think, that's when I felt it. Right. I knew. You knew I audience. knew something else was more at yeah. play and why I wasn't getting hardly any interviews. I want to say I'm like most women out there over 45 who applied for probably 70 positions and maybe got three or four interviews. And one of those ghosted me. 
how lovely, how polite. And do you feel that that is an experience that men your age or similar experience? I don't. I don't. I think it's different. I think they, of course, experienced ageism. Somehow men are considered wiser and even sexier if they grow their gray hair. They're considered more tech savvy than women. Mm. They do not fight the good fight that we do when it comes to age bias. I guarantee you that more men that had applied for all those jobs that I did probably would have gotten 50 to 60% of the interviews or at least some kind of a callback. Research shows that there's no good age because you talked about intergenerationality. And I believe- And the way that there's no good age for women. There's no good age for women because there was reverse ageism when I was in my 20s. Exactly. So there's that. But those of us that are in this middle age group of 40 and 60 plus, we face more bias when it comes to hiring promotions. That being said, conversely- I was reading a very interesting theory the other day. It's in the Stanford Graduate School of Business on their website that says, actually, older women have an easier time in the workplace than older men because men face the assumption that the older they are, the more assertive they are and the more vocal and domineering they are. And therefore, they, as a result, need to not assert themselves and should sit back and allow younger people to rise. Conversely, they're saying that women who are assertive actually don't get this backlash because they are not perceived to be as threatening. What they call it is the intersectional escape. It's where two stereotypes clash. And so a stereotype around age and women clash in this example, and therefore women actually can do better as a result of it. That's the theory. It's an interesting theory. What do you think about that? Because I think it's quite it's quite a controversial theory, right? I think it's bullshit. Yeah. Ageism is the new sexism for women. And so mm-hmm. I think that's BS to say that we have an easier time. I just gave several examples of how yeah. hard it is to get a job, let alone keep the job. We have several women that even want, right. that are scared when they go gray. And that will show that maybe they didn't age well. So now they're scared that they're going to be pushed out. No, women go unseen, undervalued, unheard, and all of that makes us feel as though we don't belong. And we are self-silencing ourselves. So when you said the assertiveness, yeah, some of it is self-silencing in certain situations because we get to a certain age and we feel we're just trying to hold on. Some women, that is, in their minds, they're just trying to hold on. And I would love to read that article, because I find that to be bogus. I, I, I mean, maybe it happens yeah. in some places, in some world outside. Of, I just don't, I don't see that. And again, I do know, though, that ageism does run in all humans once you hit a certain age. It's just more rampant with women. Right, it does. And it, it, it's almost as if women should be put on a shelf that once we hit 50, um, you should be retiring. When in actuality, are you kidding me? At 57, I have 30 more years because we're out living the men. And there's an awakening that comes in your 50s. That is unbelievable. I thought when I sat in my 30s and I remember watching vcr Oprah every day. And I remember when she turned 50, I think it was in my late 30s. I remember her saying, how 
uh, there was an awakening for her and how exciting she felt and she felt ownership of who she is and so on and so forth. All I could think about in my late thirties was, are you kidding me? That seems old. And now here, fast forward. <laughs> right. And that is so important. I'm so glad you mentioned that because I think it's, it says everything about the fact that, you know, I've talked about it on other episodes as well. I get people saying to me, I'm in my thirties, you know, you shouldn't care about ageism or why should you care about ageism at your age in your thirties? Actually, aside from we're all aging, it's It's really important important to be learning, to be seeing people, role models like Oprah or whoever it is, celebrities or people in your family, friends, whoever it is. It's so important for all of us to be allies and to understand that actually aging is a privilege. If we're lucky, we'll get to that age. And actually women in their 30s need to be seeing someone in their 50s living their best life, doing their best in the workplace, to know that there is a future of growth for them that continues. Absolutely. Absolutely. And this is one of the things I wanted to to ask you about with second act women, because I know you specifically target women over 40, but you also are very clear you're open to 21 plus allies. So why do you feel it's so important to ensure that younger women are part of this conversation? I think it's because I recognize exactly what we said a moment ago when I thought that Oprah was old in my 30s. I think it's important that I recognize it as a social enterprise and as a woman at 57. It is my absolute duty and mission to help stamp out age bias, especially among women. And that includes our sisters, because we as Gen Xers, all of us, we were there at one point in time where we too, again, through reverse ageism, couldn't get there. But I also want these women who are in their 20s and 30s to recognize that we are a superpower, that when you hit a certain age in life, there is a, this awakening, this awareness, this growth, this thirst to continue to learn and find out more about yourself. There's, uh, there's a mindset change. There's all of these things that are positive that comes to aging. And one of the things that you just said a moment ago that I too say is if you are aging, you are above the ground and you, that is a blessing. So age should not be seen as a bad thing. But I also find, I find it fun to also hear some of the women when I'm out and about um, or co-working from a space and someone knows Second Act Women or they hear my voice because I have a very loud voice. Me too. We've got two loud voices here. (laughs) (laughs) I find it so fun, thrilling and exciting when these women say, I'm I'm 39. I'm almost 40. I can't wait to join your community. I'm 38. I love what you're doing. And to them, I say, you you don't have to wait. You need to join now. We're all one big sisterhood. Yeah, you've got your (laughs) allies and your... Now, I'm assuming you say 21 plus because there might be a bit of booze at these events. Well, there is, no. Yeah, that's why presumably you're 21 plus. (laughs) (laughs) That is why it is. I did do an event for high schoolers and college-age students during the Women's Entrepreneurial Day. But yes, there's booze. (laughs) But I love that you do that with schools as well, because I I do the same. I'm a governor of a girls' school. And again, it's so important to be educating. When I went into the school, what was really interesting was I gave a talk and I even said to the school, are you happy for me to talk about ageism? Do you feel this? Because I wasn't sure if they wanted me to focus more on entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. 
or on ageism and they said no please speak to these 11 to 18 year old these all girls speak to them about ageism and not only were they engaged what was also brilliant was the teachers afterwards really really felt connected to about the issues around the workplace and they said to me because I gave the stats I talked about these issues around women never being the right age in the workplace and they went oh my goodness, I hadn't thought about that for myself. You know, I, I'm now in my, th- I'm like 35 and I'm thinking about yeah. having a baby and I'm thinking, how is this going to affect me? And they hadn't realized that this issue of aging in the workplace isn't an issue for all women and 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 all men as well. But, you know, these intersectional, particularly is gendered related issues, they are for all women to be a part of this conversation and we need to be welcoming them all into it. We do. And we also need for these women to stop the internal age bias as well. That is how rampant gender ageism is, is that in our heads and even from not my mom, but other moms and dads and grandparents, age is not a thing that you share. And that's how we keep the, that's how we keep the cap on aging. That's how age bias stays alive. And I, I always say this because I went to a Match.com event, so I'm also single. So I decided I'm going to try this experience for people over 40. So I arrived and they tell, they asked us to introduce ourselves. It was a cooking event and it was interesting because when it came around to me, I not only said who I am, but I said my age. And all of a sudden it was like... <gasps> even though it was like, known that you were like all shocked. over 40. That's amazing. That, yeah, but the fact, even though it was known... Oh, but most people 40. were over 50. Most of them were over But they 50, didn't want to admit say. anything more than that. That's really interesting. No, and it was like, I mean, literally, it was it's like when the plane, uh, when you when the plane hits a hits a drop and everybody goes, whoa. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah when your stomach lurches. <laughs> everyone was like, oh my God, how dare she? I can't believe. But then it struck conversation as yeah. you do the cooking class. So that I was able to share why I share my age. But yes, the internal age bias has got to be something that has, that needs to be, well, it's studied, but it needs to be also talked about as well. Talked about and recognized. And, and recognized. We, we all have it. And we have to recognize that. There's three forms of age bias, internal bias, interpersonal bias, and then there's systemic bias. Do you think internal bias is the main reason or just part of the problem in terms of workplaces not valuing age because as i said at the beginning there's enough stats now to show that intergenerational multi-generational workforces and workplaces are the future they are yeah. drivers of innovation they are going to drive profit productivity bottom line. productivity and bottom line why do you think workplaces are still not embracing this and why is age still not being included in de and i that is, a, that's a tough one. I think the internal bias, I think it could still be all three of what you said, but I think mm-hmm. the internal bias could be the HR person, their own internal bias on how they think of aging, obviously. So I think it's that. I will also say that if, as women are applying for jobs, what happens is that they show their lack of confidence at times. Some women do. And some of our, our recruiters at some of our events, we have a career con event that helps women. Several of our recruiters during panels have said, ladies, you've got to show up confident. You've got to own who you are. You've got to recognize that you are a superpower. Specifically, women are a superpower anyway, but specifically women over 
50. We're superpower in so many ways, including that 50, uh, I think it's a $15 trillion buying authority here in the United States. We are the economy, right? Right. We are the economy, the experience that we bring, we have to actually show up owning that. So that internal bias also plays and shows up when they interview at times. Um, Also because of interview fatigue, by the time you get to an interview, Oh my gosh, you're probably so tired of showing up. You're thinking, here I go again. And I think when it ta- when we're talking corporate as a whole, I think they think that it's going to cost them more, which is why they pushed us out so that it could buy, buy, buy. So they could hire two people a ch- a for the price of one. labor force. Yeah. Right. They think that we're going to be less productive because they think we have one foot in, one foot out. Uh, that we're not adaptable to change. So why should they hire? Because we're at a certain age where do we want to change? When mm-hmm. a moment ago I said there's a thirst to learn and pivot careers or swivel careers, they think we lack technology. When we are mm-hmm. analog natives, we yeah. are the ones who created techno- the technology that yeah. we are on right now. The Microsoft, Apple, you know, all of those. Yeah. We were playing Pac-Man yeah. and pinball and you know all that so the lack of tech savvy and then they think we're overqualified for some of the jobs that we're going for because here's what i hear some of our women don't want to be managers anymore they just want a really great job that they enjoy they enjoy their coworkers, and they are going for less jobs less pay purposely Mm -hmm. but the hiring manager thinks you're overqualified no these women either want new experiences or they simply don't want the responsibility of being a manager anymore the other one that i hear quite often is flexible working hours but the jobs that are being offered don't do this and they're not recognizing these changing lifestyles right so we have so much against us because now everybody wants flexible uh flexible work environments now you put on top of that this is something else that we want that everybody else wants but because we're certain age we have so much stacked against us in the minds of right. some hiring managers that okay. it's just a shame. Now, I will say there are companies that hire me to go and speak to their women's groups, their employee yeah. resource groups, or their business groups, or to their employees as a whole, intergenerational teams, mostly of women, though, because they're recognizing our value. They recognize that it does cost them actually more money <laughs> to let go of that employee who was making 80, 90, 100, because now they got to retrain somebody, maybe even retrain two people and the training costs. So I think that the DEI, I think it's coming around. It's still not there because of those companies that have DEI initiatives, of those that have it, only 8% of those include age. And disability is a whole nother thing. Age and disability left out so often. I was in uh, Vienna uh, last month and I was on a panel and it was around, it was actually around fintech and it was specifically Uh. looking at ESG and how diversity and inclusion are part of that. And I was on it to talk about age. One of the follow panelists was talking about disability and another panelist was talking about refugees and it was particularly commented and highlighted the fact these were three areas that are so often just ignored as part of DEI and ESG culture and policies. And people say to get age on the agenda, they actually really had to fight. 
And it's often is women, again, the ones who are fighting to get it on the agenda and saying to their bosses, got a day event, whether it's about DEI or more general, that we need to get a panel on there that discusses age. And it and and kudos to those who fought and are getting us on there. I bet it was that. It's they are, and that's the other thing. They are. (laughs) They are the response. This is the crazy thing. The response. We got complimented with the panel in Vienna. That was the most engaging inspiring talk of the day that was from women and men other panels i've done again the same thing it's packed it's engaged people are inspired and yet yes. it's the gatekeepers whether yeah. that's hr or their own bias is, their own, their own bias, bias is saying this is not a topic to talk about but actually and what was brilliant was i remember in vienna two ladies said to me after it was in the toilets and these two women, one who said, I'm in my 30s, and the other said, I'm in my late 50s. You have got us talking, and you have got us talking to each other about our Ooh, experiences as women and aging in the workplace. Thank you. And that's intergenerational. These two women, different ages. I don't think they were, as I understand it, they weren't from the same workplace, but they, they're sharing their experiences, and they're uniting and being allies in this. And, and it, it inspired them. You know, just having a I chat in the ladies, the toilets. And that's the thing. It's crazy. These talk this is something people want to talk about. And it's a hot topic. It's a it hot is. topic. But I mean, this brings me on to a, a bit of a controversial topic, but it's very important. It's a sticky area in the workplace, but it's based around exploring this issue. It's affirmative action. Yes. So for those who who are not quite clear what the definition or what we mean by affirmative action. It is essentially the policies and practices designed to creating equal opportunities for groups that experience bias and prejudice. So this could be training programs, outreach efforts, or any really any positive step to redress discrimination. And as we said at the beginning, in the US, over 40s is a protected class, and here in the UK, age as a whole is a protected characteristic. But we also know that affirmative action is very controversial. It can be seen as positive discrimination. And in America, I know in the US that quotas are a great example of this. They've been ruled as unconstitutional in the US, I understand it. And whilst they're not illegal here in the UK, positive discrimination is prohibited under the Equality Act. So, you know, that is a it's a it's a murky area. And I know also the US Supreme Court banned affirmative action in colleges admissions Mm. earlier this year which even though that was college admission we know that that could really extend beyond this and extend into the workplace now I personally do support affirmative action and I even support quotas because as much as no one wants to feel they were rewarded or given a seat at the table because of positive discrimination my view is equally without these not only would you not get a seat at the table you probably wouldn't even got a foot in the front door we live in a world where discrimination is real and we have to accept that acknowledge that and the reality is we need to create opportunities and as much as in a perfect world we shouldn't need it and we shouldn't need quotas they they do need we need to have some form of these things and not only is it that these need to exist in my in my opinion it also is important for opening doors. So even if that one person did get that seat at the table through affirmative action, then it's also opening up and trailblazing a path for others behind them so that they don't need that. But I know it's a sticky area. I know it's a controversial area. 
love to know your thoughts on it in particular in regards to addressing age discrimination does it does it play a role yeah yeah that's interesting i also think um i also am a proponent obviously of affirmative action because it also Mm -hmm. leads to balance it leads to fairness in the workplace it leads to innovation which we spoke of earlier um it leads to learning cultures and understanding how Sometimes when you're at, when you're even at a happy hour, how someone was raised, and you know it's the right. little th- how this culture was raised, or you know, um, so I am a big proponent of it, and don't even get me started on that whole thing. But when it comes to Age Discrimination Act for us, it's the Age Discrimination Act of 1967, a year after yeah. I was born. Yes, which protects and forbids age discrimination of people over 40. So that's yes. why I'm curious about UK. Yeah. So in the Equality Act in 2010, it basically introduced, this is where my law degree comes in very handy. So thank you for not going above my head with law stuff, girl. No, <laughs> I'm not, not going to be, uh, do you know what? Uh, I have not thought, I've got like my, over on my shelf is my, uh, is my employment law textbook. I have not, to be very clear, I have not just brought out my textbook, no. So Love it. basically in the UK, we have protected characteristics so in the u.s you call them protected classes we call them protected characteristics and essentially age is a protected characteristic in that you cannot discriminate or be biased or prejudiced towards somebody oh, on I the see. basis of age so an example being this was ruled actually is an example where it was not age discrimination but there was a recent case where someone claimed the being told in the workplace to grow up was as a younger person was age discrimination uh-huh. oh, by telling them grow up juvenile oh, something like that so that was an example where someone younger tried to bring a case of age discrimination now as say the courts actually found that it was not age discrimination to tell someone to grow up but there are other examples where now you can look at someone older where there was a case where somebody was described as grandma as an older woman so okay. that is another example of age huh. discrimination because describing her as a label as a grandma had no relation to whether this woman was a grandma or not. It was just right. to describe her being older. Uh-huh. That was which relates to, to age. Which relates, exactly. That was found to be age discrimination. So basically, if I feel as a woman at 31 in the workplace felt discriminated against on the basis of my age, I could still bring a claim. Whereas in the US, it is 40 plus, isn't it? It is. So what do you think about that? Do you think having discussed the fact that reversed ageism happens and the fact that women in particular can experience ageism, would you extend it? Do you think it should be all ages? No. No. You know why? Because we we experience it more. We, um, uh, age should be a protected class until it doesn't exist. One of the pieces of research in Colorado, which I can't wait to share with you what Colorado has done and what our governor has done, but nearly 80% of older workers have said they have seen or experienced age discrimination in the workplace. That's just Colorado. And around 40% of hiring managers admit to reviewing resumes with age bias. But if you extended it to protect all ages, are you concerned, therefore, that would dilute the protection for those over 40 because it might be worse for over 40s but that doesn't mean it doesn't exist for those under 
So should I think that's a good point. Shouldn't it protect anybody who could experience it? That is such a good point. Um, now I guess I'm going to walk the fence on that one. I don't. Isn't it so know. interesting? I isn't think it? I need. It's, so interesting. it's very interesting, and that's a good point because. But um, I just feel I don't want to get in trouble for this. But I just feel there is still there's still so much that we have to fight for over forty, mm-hmm. particularly over forty five. Frankly, mm-hmm. that yeah. um, you know that the way someone would think of that is if you're in your tw- if you're in your twenties, you'll still be able to find another job faster than I would, right? Or in their thirties. So I think there's that. So that's the United States when it comes to the right. protective protective act. Here's what I like about what we did in Colorado is they, and this uh, takes effect in July, July 1st of 2024. It is called the Job Application Fairness Act. And this works in the favor of women and minorities and people over a certain age. Here's what it does is it, it makes it illegal for companies to acquire about age, date of birth, when you graduated from high school, when you graduated from college or any of that on an application, mm. you do not mm. need to put that on because again, going back to 40% of hiring managers said they looked at age and they said, right. you know, who knows what they actually did with it. But so that is a Senate bill 58. That was a uh, bipartisan. What else Colorado has done? This is where it really levels the playing field. So not only do they make it illegal to acquire about age, birth, dates, but they also have it. Companies have have to put the range of salary for the job. That is a policy, and what right. that does is that that leads to leveling the playing field for everyone. So now I don't have to include my age. I could just go for this job, and I I'm a woman who's fifty seven, and you know this market this director of marketing position pays. $90,000 or pays between $90,000 and $110,000. Now, what that does in Colorado is that tells me I'm going for 115 because this is how I negotiate. I'm going for 115. I don't have to guess when I'm negotiating how much I should be paid because a lot yeah. of women guaranteed a lot of women are going under, yeah, exactly. Or they're going to undersell themselves, yeah. Undersell when their budget for this company has always been between 90 to 110. So what that does is, and this is what I say to women, you go for over and above and then you you know your number, obviously and you stick to it and then you shut your mouth and you deliver that number. But um, but yeah, so I think in Colorado, this is beautiful for so many people, specifically well, people of a certain age. But yeah, but actually, of course, it is still protecting all ages, isn't it? It is. Oh my gosh, good point. Very good point. Uh huh. It is protected. You're right. And I should point out actually that whilst federal federal law is that over forties is a protected class, certain states have put it in as a, as age as a whole to be protected. So this is actually very clever because what this is doing in Colorado, yeah. by the sounds of it, it is actually protecting all ages, but it's particularly supporting women over a certain age but it's also protecting others which is very clever that sounds great but you're absolutely right I guess I didn't think about it that way all this time um so that's opened my 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 eyes and ears to that 
So yeah. So uh, that's brilliant. Going back to your question earlier about what do I think about it? Ay, ay, ay. I guess if I was in my thirties, I would say, yeah, it should be lowered. But I also don't think I experienced ageism that I thought that I could know. That you were that aware I, of. I don't know. I'm torn to say. But, it's, but that, yeah, this is what this is why this podcast this is important because we're having a conversation yeah. and it's both getting us to explore ideas. One of the things is that I've learned a lot as well. So it's and understanding yeah. more. So I love that. So I was going to oh, ask yeah. you. Have you observed any differences towards age between the UK and the US in the workplace? I guess this is the most obvious one, but do you think there are any yeah. differences? One thing I would say, talking about how you were saying about going into workplaces and giving talks and, and giving workshops, I think that there is more of an appetite currently for that in the US than maybe here in the UK. Mm. I think maybe the US is slightly further along in that conversation in the DEI space. Do you, do you see that? I, I think you're. I think you're right because um, I, as a marketer by trade, research is my jam. Yeah. And so what I do notice is that is that seems to be true as far as DEI initiatives. But what I also find true is that we're, uh, both countries are focused on age. Yes. Because a lot of times when I pull up research or I pull up an article, it's either US article or UK article. It is true. I think the UK and the US are certainly at the forefront of this of this movement. Yeah. Australia. Australia's doing they quite do. a lot as well. Yes. Yeah, they're the ones who are behind the October seventh. Yes, behind Ages of Awareness Day. Yeah, which is actually my birthday. So it yeah, is. Ages of Awareness yeah. Day. So they yeah. are behind Ages of Awareness Day, exactly. That's right. So yeah. Absolutely. So, so Australia's, but personally, my experience through everything I do is the US is probably at the forefront of this completely more open-minded conversation around age, I'd say. So what do you think about those who say that the older workforce should be stepping aside to allow younger generations to come through and have opportunity and ideas? Now, I realise this is particularly ripe of a conversation because of politics but generally in the workplace, what do you think about the those who argue that older candidates or those in the workplace should be stepping aside to free up space for younger candidates who maybe can't get their foot in the door? I laugh at that. When there there's room for all of us. And it goes back to the intergenerational teams and how better the dynamics are in the bottom line. The different yeah. perspectives that we bring, the different expectations that we bring to the workplace. The um, the things that I learned myself as a 20-something from my older counterparts, oh my goodness, are you kidding me? I learned how to market to my customers a certain way. I made major mistakes and had to be counseled, or not counseled, but had to, you know, be told. It, it, yeah, thank you. The mistakes that I made. Um, and then all the great how to negotiate deals by simply being in the same room with that person and listening, listening. Um, yeah. All of that led me as a 20 and 30 and 40 year old of how to manage people, how to manage my life, how, you know, it's just, it's all the things that we um, can experience as college students, as high school students, as whatever it may be. I just say there's space for all of us. And mm -hmm. I'm not ready to leave. Why would I be? No. Why would I want to free free up space? Not what? No, I'm not. None of us are ready to leave. Um, no, 
I mean, there may not be space for, for more than one president. I guess that's right, yeah, the politics side of it, I guess, becomes slightly different. But for yeah. the rest of us, there is space, as you yes. say. And it's not either or, is it? It's it not be together. Or. It's not yeah. either or. No, not at all. So you were a semi-finalist for Forbes Women at 50 over 50 list, which is just an incredible achievement. <laughs> First of all, congratulations. Second Thank all, you. What do you think about these age lists and these age bracket lists? Because obviously there's the very famous 30 under 30 for Forbes. And I'll be honest, I felt pressure. I didn't get on it. <laughs> I did. I think I got down. I, I got down to a certain category, but then I didn't get on it. And I felt a huge amount of pressure. And I was even told by a publicist, okay, when's your birthday? When do you turn 30? Right, okay, we've got a couple more months to try and get you on some lists and things oh, like that. And it put snap. so much pressure on me. And I so much pressure. It. Didn't get on it. And you know what? I'm probably glad I didn't get on it. I mean, there's been quite a lot of pushback, but it created this narrative, and I know created for many of my peers yeah. this narrative that if you're not on these lists and you haven't achieved X by the time you're 30, you've a failure. So A, do you, what do you think of these lists? And B, do you support this? I mean, I think actually women over 50 over 50, there's no upper age limit. So maybe that's brilliant. Right, right. So I will tell you, so the the uh, inaugural 50 over 50 Forbes list by uh, MSNBC's Know Your Value and Forbes. So I applied for it. My business partner and other people nominated me. And there were two of us in this market that actually, my other good friend, who is a belonging speaker, uh, speaker Denise, we both made the... Um, the first, oh gosh, what do you call it? Shortlist? We made the semifinals. Yeah, the yeah. shortlist. The, yeah. the fight semifinals. Yeah. And then after that, it really was about money. Listen, exactly. I'm not making money in my company. It really, that's they what do. I get That's what they it look at, right? Literally they literally came down to, yeah, it literally came, our revenue was not at, because yeah. it's Forbes. And the, I didn't well, think they would be yeah. looking at that. Yeah. So it's fourth. So you couldn't even Google that we made the semifinals, just so you know. It was an email that said, you made the semifinals, and then we didn't hear again. Because right. in the end, what they did is they looked at revenue. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, so this is what I don't like about this list. It's because it's only about how much you made. Agreed. What pressure is that? I'm pretty sure why that's why I didn't get any further as well. And- yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that that's exactly what I got. Was the I got the email that was like, now put in all your revenue numbers. And I'm pretty sure that was where things went a bit silent. Yeah. Yeah. We got the semifinal and we had to do that. We had so to we were doing the, the good stuff. Like, oh. but yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I will say that here's the thing. I'm a little bit torn because while the list continues sort of a separation of state in a sense. Mm-hmm. I think far too long there's been too many lists of 30 under 30 and right. 40 and under I would agree 40. With that. So why not? Yeah. So why, why not? not have our yeah. time? Yeah. And I actually think it should be 40 over 40. And mm-hmm. the funny thing is we almost did a, an un-gala then COVID happened. Uh, um, an un-gala 40 over 40. Well, you can um, still event. do that. But you it was still going to be, yes. And it was going to be based on your community work, didn't have doesn't have to do anything with what you made it's who you are your character how how is the community collaborations this that and the other it's going to be about that but i do believe that what these lists do for later age millennials gen xers boomers and beyond is that it creates the dialogue it it's it's about reframing aging it's really about that it's showing that we are badasses and that's what it's we showing that we are yeah. Doing this, that, and the other, not necessarily 
make it a million dollars or what have you, but that we are, especially the list that, that if it's not particularly again about revenue. Um, so yeah, I, I'm torn. I understand the separation. Yeah. I always wanted in my thirties to be on a 40 under 40. I didn't know the processes and I didn't know, you know, I just, you know, what about my life, but yeah. I completely agree with everything you say, both positive and negative. And I think the problem is, is that until you're in it, you don't know actually why how they work and the internals and the reasons. And so unfortunately they, they look amazing. And so you it's a brilliant it's a brilliant accolade, but unfortunately they are money driven and ultimately they're a business in themselves, aren't they? So they want to have the headlines yeah. of numbers like, but can I tell you, and the avenue revenue. Can I tell you what I like being like, on, which I forgot to share with you at the um is um we were yeah. influencers in aging. Now while I don't particularly like the word influencers. I like content creator or, or I don't know, or thought starter. Is this next this avenue? This is next avenue by PBS. Yeah. And so Michael J. Fox was on the, not our list, but on a list before. And so that I did appreciate that. That's amazing. Cause you are an influencer. Yeah. I wish there was another word for influencer, right? Like I don't like the word empower either. Yeah, if true. anybody was to Google the word empower, that means I'm getting like, it, no, you need to empower yourself. I don't like to say that my company empowers women. Trailblazer. But yeah, trailblazer. Trail <laughs> um, but yeah, so I liked that. Well, that, that is a brilliant accolade. I know. Now, I'm conscious <laughs> that I've been talking talk for some time. I could talk to you forever, Barbara, but big question coming. First of all, what tips can you offer to women or men? but maybe particularly women who are concerned they are experiencing or, or witnessing ageism in the workplace. I think it's, it's, you need to keep records. You need to do what a manager would do is they're keeping records on you. If you are, you know, a certain kind of employee, I think you need to keep records. I think you need to keep those emails. You need to don't record. Cause that's not, that's don't do that. Don't video, don't record. Don't any of that. Just write down, the date, the time, and who said what. And sign And it. just get a good record going. And if what's being said is um, yeah. overtly ageist and you're starting to feel as if you don't belong, then it's time to file a charge with what we have here is the, um, the federal uh, EEOC. So that's the Equal yeah. Employment Opportunity Commission. So I would file with them. There's also, if you don't want to take it that far so quickly, then if you feel as though you could trust them, go to an HR representative. I know here we don't normally trust HR reps because normally they will tell a manager is what I've been told by people. <laughs> they will say your employee came to me right. and here's what they said. But I guess some companies have a grievance system of some sort, right? So I would go to that person yep. who, I guess, mm -hmm. who you truly think you can trust and bring in those files. So step one, is record everything and if you witness it and if you witness it yeah exactly so that's yeah. fundamental here be an ally if you have even if you haven't be an ally it, if you yes. witness it be an ally yeah and do you think and this is another big question do you think we are seeing positive change do you think ages attitudes are changing and we are starting to see a shift with more companies embracing and supporting all ages um I do. I do. I, again, I've had more and more, I'm getting more companies that want to have me speak. They recognize, I think those that get it again, they recognize the value of keeping us yeah. and that it can ultimately, as we said way earlier on about intergenerational teams, the fact that there's yeah. innovation, creativity, 
productivity increases, which ultimately needs the bottom line. And that's what the companies want. You've got the people who are recognizing it, mm-hmm. and then that then has a ripple effect mm-hmm. on those who start to understand they need to recognize it. And I think, you know, going back to what I said earlier about that Vienna conference, it was so, it was actually really brilliant that, again, as somebody in my 30s, I was being asked to love it. I love it. as an ally on this space. And also, again, it encouraged women of other ages to talk about it. Yeah. So it's so, it's so important. And it's important that when we are out there, because what I'm hearing though is companies, some companies that are hiring, People like myself, and maybe even yourself. I don't know if you're out there speaking, speaking. You probably should be if you're not. No, you yes. probably are. Yeah. We need to get paid. Okay. And we need to get yes. paid our worth. Because I wasn't paid my worth the very first two. Now, some of it was I wanted to get my feet wet. I wanted to test my workshop and all that. But um, I do have a mentor who is at a 25,000 main stage keynote speaker level. And that's where I'm aiming towards as I grow my business. Mm -hmm. So I think, I know we've been talking queer women, but a lot of queer women have side gigs. Um, And a lot of people have multiple multiple jobs, you know, because they want to change it up. So just know, get paid your worth on the job and with whatever you're doing. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Know your worth. Know it. And feel it. Exactly. And feel it. Exactly. (laughs) So final two questions I ask of all our guests. So first of all, what does ending ageism and true age inclusivity in the workplace look like to you? So my, my vision statement for myself and for the company is that I envision a world that is fostering women's power, our ambitions, our wisdom, our relevance in our 40s, really all the way around, if we're going back to age inclusivity, but specifically in our 40s, 50s, and 60s, rather than restricting us and restricting the thought of mm-hmm. who we are. So I first yeah. want to say um, that that's what it looks like to me, that ageism is erased. We don't need those uh, DE&I departments to focus on this, uh, instead focus on other things. That's what it looks like to me. Mm-hmm. That's the utopia, right? Yeah. Where, where these conversations aren't necessary, where these issues, they don't exist. Right. So we don't need to talk right. about them, but we need to get right. To them. Right. And finally, what can our listeners do? Bear in mind, our listeners yeah. are different ages. Some might be in the workplace, some might be retired. What can that we all do to encourage, create, and inspire a more age-inclusive and age-equitable workplace? Uh, have an open dialogue. I think dialogue is important. And don't laugh if some, uh, if whichever end of the spectrum, if someone says something that's too young or too old, don't say, oh my God, that sounds so old fashioned. No, that's, that's where we have to stop those yeah. types of words or, or pointing uh, or right. those kinds language, of things. The language, the language, the dialogue. So the dialogue needs to be open and free. At some point, I would like for people to own their age and be able to feel comfortable um saying their age but i would say really actively do is listen on both ends and don't don't Mm -hmm. think just because someone's older than you they're trying to tell you what to do no there could be some education in that but it goes the other way yeah so if if someone is over 40 50 60 and a younger person than you is trying to uh, show you a new experience or share or share their opinions. Don't shut them down either because we need to keep the yes. dialogue completely open. 
I think mentorship on both sides. Agreed. Men- yeah, mentor, mentee relationships that are dual. Yep. Yes. And I also think they say that um, America's going to, a lot of corporations are going to, in the next couple of years, make everybody go back into the workplace. I think that's important. Mm-hmm. I, I like remote, but I also think yep. both works. So if that's the case, right. and those that are working in a workplace, go out and have a drink. Cocktail, mocktail, doesn't matter. Go out and have a drink and get to know your coworkers. Get to like yeah. literally go old school. I'm using it myself, but literally go old school circuit 2019 <laughs> and create conversation. Get back to the water cooler. Get, get back to the water that, that. cooler. Yeah, I think it's that simple. I, I think it's not shutting people down. Because listen, let me tell you something. I'm 57 and, and think of other people that are just like me. I'm 57 and my music is still the same. My thoughts are still the same. My mindset is, is, is just broader. My music is broader. I still listen to post, I listen to post Malone, hip hop and R&B and I'm 57. And then I listen to smooth jazz on the other end of it. So how different am I from you? I was at Depeche Mode right. concert last week, but then I also love, you know, Miguel and all these. So yeah. So I, I think also when it comes to age inclusivity and equity and when it comes to coworkers, it's just recognize we're not so different. We have more in common than we have different. We do. We do. And yes, our age does does mean that we might have different experiences yeah. or health or biological changes. Yeah. And those things are different. And we do need to recognize that and address those to to ensure quality but ultimately those things aside there are more similarities and differences and you know what if i can the one word that always comes up at a lot of my events is curiosity just stay curious on both ends curious and that means asking questions keep learning stay curious well, thank you so much, Barbara. It has been such a joy and pleasure, such a fruitful, inspiring conversation. I have loved chatting with you and just having your rich insights and your superpower energy has been a real pleasure. So thank you. Thank you so much. It has been a true pleasure. Thank you. And of course, thank you for listening to this episode of Ageism is Never in Star, the podcast. As always, I do hope you found it interesting and insightful and that it offered some great food for thought. Ageism and the workplace is a very complicated area. There are so many layers and so many nuances and issues of intersectionality to explore. And whilst this episode in particular explored how ageism can and does affect women in the workplace, particularly over a certain age, there are many other points of intersectionality to delve into because we know ageism can affect everyone particularly in the workplace, but it also manifests in different ways. So understanding these differences is fundamental to addressing them effectively. And yes, we might have different opinions on what and how these issues should be addressed. For example, should we have affirmative action and quotas? Should age be a protected characteristic as a whole? Or maybe we should just focus our attention and efforts on protecting older workers? We have different views, but these different opinions are okay. What matters is that we are actively talking about them and exploring them together. And in that vein, our next episode will be getting to the crux of this and exploring exactly what ageism is never in style is rooted in, activism. I'll be joined by Ashton Applewhite, one of the world's fellow leading activists and experts on ageism. 
and we will really be getting to the core of what this movement is all about. I can't wait. So do make sure to subscribe. And as always, you'll be able to listen via Spotify, Apple Music and Amazon Music. And until then, whatever your age, remember to know your worth and know your value in the workplace because you do deserve to be there. If you're concerned that you or a colleague is experiencing ageism, keep records. And together, let's foster and support intergenerational teams and workforces. And let's get age on companies' D, E and I statement and policies, because the fact that it's currently only on 8% of companies' statements is simply not good enough. And until it's taken seriously, it's put on there and becomes a part of a company's D, E and I policy, we will never get to a place where it doesn't need to be on there at all.